civilizations that were separated by centuries. And yet, this same pictogram was discovered in every one of them. They're smiling. I think they want us to come and find them. We're all here because of a map you two kids found in a cave. Not a map. An invitation. From whom? Please tell me you can read that. Prometheus, are you seeing this? Whatever that probe is picking up, it's reading life form. What do you mean a life form? Oh, the head. They're changing. Changing into what? Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing, and since it's April, I'm doing the Alien franchise. This podcast will be a twofer, I'm covering both Prometheus and Alien Covenant in one mega podcast, and boy, this'll be bloody well fun. Anyway, on to Prometheus, uh, the first Alien movie in 15 years of its release, that is. And this has Ridley Scott back in the director's seat. The thing is, uh, this thing is a total bloody mess, with plot strands left dangling absolutely bloody everywhere. Because the problem with this movie, and the problem with modern Hollywood movies, is they really don't make a movie with a beginning, a middle and end anymore. It's all beginning, or universe building. Except um, when these movies get bad reviews and Hollywood's fickle finger hits the reboot button and it's all started over yet again. Stop it with this goddamn fucking universe building. Have a fucking movie that has a beginning, a middle and a fucking end. Not part one of six or worse, part one, chapter one of six. Looking at you, Harry fucking Potter. Moving on, I saw this turkey in a packed IMAX back in 2012, and I instantly hated it! I have only seen this once on Blu-ray after that time, and I hated it even more. Nothing is explained as to many why, what, and hows. But that's alright, I'll be explained in part two. Oh wait, that's not going to happen, because, well... The fans hated this one and demanded explanations, which this fucking movie didn't give you any. And it also fucks around with a bloody timeline. Oh well, fuck that shit. Let's just re-hit the, uh, re-hit the, hit the reset button and uh, whatever. Just get on with a fucking thing. Cause this movie kills a fucking timeline. Uh. Also, what's that? The fans are even more pissed. Ah, fuck it. Let's just give them even 
more of the same shit and just delay Alien 5 permanently. That would bring back Ripley, Newt and Hicks, which will never come out because of course it won't because this thing has to be fucking part one of 96. <sighs> Dear God. Moving the fuck right on as this mother is Two hour plus fucking long. With its budget of 120 million, this thing pulled in 400 million. Okay, here we go. Starring Naomi Repis, Michael Fassbender, Charlize Theron, Itris Elba, Logan Marshall Green, and Guy Pierce. Directed by Ridley Scott, who no longer rules. The plot trillionaire Peter Whelan funds a scientific expedition to a distant solar system 34 light years from Earth after finding clues all over um, the planet Earth about the mysterious origins of man. So, um, they send out the <coughs> Earth's most intelligent scientist to find out who made us. Finding the planet LV-223 with alien technology on it, they find it's totally abandoned and find strange cylinders filled with black goo. All hell breaks loose, and soon strange alien creatures are running amok. The onboard droid, David, then finds this planet was run by, quote, engineers. Huge, white-skinned humanoids um, that wanted to kill off the entirety of the human race. Wayland, not dead even though he's 103 years old, asks engineers to extend his life even more and tell him the secrets of the universe. He is then instantly killed. Confused? Good! Uh, can Dr. Shaw, the lead scientist, stop the engineers? What is it, Black Goo? Can David be trusted? Ah, uh, fuck knows, because here it is. Prometheus, the whole what, what, hey, what the fuck movie. So, the movie opens up on shots of pre-man Earth. One little thing here, if this was right after the last Ice Age, where the fuck is all the animals that survived the Ice Age? You know, bloody saber-toothed tigers, wild mammals. Uh, and note, these opening shots are of Iceland. We then see a large shadow of a UFO and then onto an alien known as an engineer. He's seven foot tall with pale white skin and large black eyes. This engineer is played by Daniel James. He drinks some strange goo from a cup, dismisses with his DNA, and he falls into a waterfall, mixes below, and makes human DNA. Up pops the titles in the same slow way as an alien. Hundreds of thousands of years later, at the uh, sorry, on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, we're introduced to Dr. Elizabeth Shaw, played by Naomi Rapice of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo original trilogy, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, Child 44 and Bright. Also her boyfriend, Dr. Charlie Holloway, played by not Tom Hardy, Logan Marshall Green of Devil, Spider-Man Homecoming and Upgrade. She's excited to find cave paintings uh, showing a tall man pointing to six stars in space. These paintings are dated at 35,000 years old. Hinting at the engineers came back to check on their little scientific experiments a few times until we turned around. I.e. there is no idea of having an engineer as Jesus Christ, but that was dropped for some mysterious reason. On to shots of deep space and an introduction to not only the Prometheus itself, but its onboard android, David, played by Michael Fassbender, of Band of Brothers 300, Inglorious Bastards, the X-Men First Class movies, Shame, 13 Years a Slave, Assassin's Creed and The Snowman. And oh yeah, it's the 21st of December 2093, which means this predates Alien by a good 90 years. 
and fucks with a bloody timeline. <laughs> anyway, we see David's daily routine of checking on the crew, learning languages, watching old movies, and, oh yeah, spying on the crew's dreams. Most notably, Dr. Shaw's, because that's not fucking creepy at all, is it? In this dream, we see young Dr. Shaw, well, young teen Dr. Shaw, played by Lucy Hutchison, asking her dad, played by Patrick Wilson of the Insidious Movies, as to why the tribe didn't ask him for help because he's a doctor and this man has died. With him saying it's because they don't believe in medicine and their god is different from our god. Also adding, everyone dies at the end. So what's the point? She then asks where do the dead go? He then tells her heaven and hands her a small silver cross. Father, uh, the computer's AI, so it's no longer mother, it's father. Why do they go from father to mother then back to father? Tells David they've arrived, so he wakes up the crew. Them being Vickers, played by Charlie Theron of Devil's Advocate, the Italian job remake, Monster, Zeon Flux, Mad Max Fury Road, check my archives, the Snow White movies, and Atomic Blonde. She may or not be a droid. Uh, the movie hints at it, but of course doesn't tell us, because why the fuck would it? <sighs> After a quick workout, she asks David how long it's been, with him saying 2 years, 4 months, 18 days, 36 hours and 15 minutes. That was a quick journey, actually. Doesn't it take, like, 3 years to get to Mars? Anyway, the rest are Captain Janik, played by Idris Elba of 28 Weeks Later, Prom Night Remake, Thor movies, Star Trek Beyond, Dark Tower, Luther, and Hobbs and Shaw. His number one, Ravel, played by Benedict Wong. Of Sunshine, Moon, Kick-Ass 2, The Martian, Doctor Strange, and The Avenger movies. Dr. Fifield, played by Sean Harris of Creep, Harry Brown, Deliverers from Evil, Mission Impossible movies. His new BFF, Dr. Melbourne, played by Rafe Spall of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Life of Pi, The World's End, The Ritual, and Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Dr. Ford, uh, the onboard medic, only one medic for this crew, get in, played by Kate Dickey of Filth, Game of Thrones, The Witch, Prevenge, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. And finally, Dr. Excuse me, Dr. He's a co-pilot, Chance played by Iman Elliot of Filth, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Check my archives. The rest are unnamed, therefore I don't give a fuck. Once they've all finished throwing up and eating their first meal in nearly three years, it's on to their task. Vickers lays down the law. Then allows a hologram of Peter Whelan, played by Guy Pearce of LA Confidential, Memento, The Time Machine, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Iron Man 3, check my archives. And Mary, Queen of Scots, under heavy, heavy old man makeup. And apparently this thing took seven hours to get him into character. How the fuck did it take him seven hours to get into character? I mean, Robert England takes, what, three, four hours to get into Freddy? What's the difference? The hologram tells them he recorded this message on the 21st of June, 2091. And he's long dead. Also, David is his son he never had. Hello, Bishop! Um, he then tells them their task is to find out where man came from, what is their purpose, and who made them. He then hands the phone over to Dr. Shaw and Halloway. Halloway uses a Rubik's Cube to show that all across the Earth, cave paintings have shown the same six stars being pointed to by huge humanoid-like creatures. Therefore, it's a map to the planet of our creators, that place being LV-223. Except, they fuck up the timeline here, saying... 
that is only one place in a distant solar system uh, that can hold life. Hello, LV426. Katenica couldn't hold life because it was a bit of a fucking disaster zone, but still. Also, what happened to the bloody engineer ship that's landed, I think, thousands of years earlier, but who gives a fuck? The timeline's fucked anyway. Shaw tells the crew she thinks this is where the engineers came from, and they made us. I know, I bet that didn't sit well with the bloody creationist in the Bible Belt. Dr. Melbourne then pipes up, if she's okay, wiping out 300 plus years of Darwinism. Then who is he to argue? Also, he demands proof, with her saying she has none of it. She only has this on a hunch. Uh, really? You're going to try to tell me that Whelan dumped one trillion dollars to fund this on an ex this exhibition on a hunch? I fuck right off. Twenty minutes into this two hour and three minute movie, and I'm starting to roll my fucking eyes more than dice at fucking Las Vegas. This is fucking mind-numbingly stupid. The sheer stupidity in this thing is breathtaking. But I'll go on, leave your faith in all that crap. David then takes Sean Hall away to Vickers' luxury escape pod, where Shaw finds an onboard medipod, important for later, which is a very rare one at that and costs a few million dollars apparently, or billion dollars apparently. Vickers then tells them she doesn't believe her theory about the engineers. She may have fooled old man Wayland, but not her. However, if they do find them, they will not talk to them or interact with them at all. Just return to her as she's the boss. Stating she is Wayland Corp. It's her company uh, that is funding the trillion dollar bill. To her, they are nothing but employees. What a fucking bitch. David then shows Shaw the message. Um, he has been sending to the planet, i.e. all of mankind's achievements, but he has got no reply. Hobby asks him how his lessons went, with David saying he can speak dozens of dead languages. So, if Shaw's hunch is real, he can talk to engineers, but how? I mean... Mm, this movie... Uh, down to go, and the Prometheus. So, no sending in a scout ship then, just go down in a fucking huge ship you're... On, the one and only way off the fucking planet. Uh, this movie. It's a bumpy ride, but they land next to an old temple-like structure. Oh yeah, so much for this being an Earth-like planet. Doctor Four points out a space. If they're not in a space, it'll be dead in two minutes, just like Earth's fucking atmosphere. Although in saying that, by the way, they're going today. I have no idea it's going to be like in 2091, so it could be bloody global warming and all that shit. Anyway. Even though Captain Janik points out there's only six hours of daylight left, Dr. Halley wants to check out the building. Why? It's been there for thousands of years. It's not always going to go anywhere. I mean, just wait until the fucking sun rises. But no, the world's brightest scientists want to check it out. Out go the survey team in an eight-wheeled all-terrain vehicle with two two-man buggies following. And they go through a smashed wall. And note, the spacesuits were designed from an idea from Steve Jobs to have a 360 degree glass helmet because of course you want a piece of glass protected you from the fucking, I don't know, suctions of space. I mean, we're crying out loud. Fifield sets loose four mapping drones to map the interior. Following the drones, they find a hole leading down. Where does it go? Who the fuck knows? Because nobody fucking checks that bit out. Dr. Ford then points out the cave has water and breathable air. Seconds later, Holloway removes his helmet, 
world's brightest scientist, everyone. Really? Dr. Ford then points out it's minus 12, but the water isn't freezing. Maybe that's because it isn't fucking water. David finds a strange stone keyboard on a wall coated with green goo. A few button presses later, and he has activated something. How do you know how this thing works? Who the fuck cares? Because it's time for more stupidity. As they follow a hologram of long dead engineers to a door. The door has beheaded an engineer. So now they have proof of extraterrestrial life. Take samples and fucking leave. I mean, you can go back in the morning for crying out loud. Dr. Fifield walks away saying he's a geologist and this isn't his thing. Holloway hands Dr. Shaw a carbon meter reader uh, to carbon date the body and she says it's over 2,000 years old. Oh fuck, I forgot a bit there. Hold on. Dr. Fifield rightfully points out um, that uh, he and Dr. Milburn should head back to the ship like smart people should do because Milburn is a... What the fuck is he? Actually, I have no idea what the hell his thing is, but the other one's a geologist. I'm guessing he's a biologist. I mean, um, or some sort of other ologist. I mean, moving on. As I said, Holloway Schwanz saw a carburetor. David presses yet more buttons and a door opens, which leads to a room with a giant head uh, carved from stone and hundreds of mysterious cylinders. Four bags ahead as Holloway explores the room. Ah uh, yeah, the head looks like a space jockey, only much, much smaller. The one that was decapitated by the door, that is. Holloway steps on loose soil. This causes worms to rise up. Much important for later. As the wrestling crew investigate, David points out the painting on the wall is the creation of life. How very 16th chapel, or 16th chapel, is a fucking thing. However, the middle painting is a xenomorph in a Christ-like pose, except this is called a deacon for some reason. David notices the cylinders are heating up due to their body temperature and the black goo is now oozing out. Back on the ship, Chance notices there's a storm coming in, so Janik tells him to get back to the ship. Janik tells them they have to get back to the ship before the storm hits. Vickers tells them they have 15 minutes or she's locking the ship up tight. With that, they all pack up and leave. Even David packs up one of the mysterious cylinders, which nobody notices him carrying this a huge fucking... Rucksack, I mean, the black goo is now mixing with the soil and indeed the worms. With the storm coming fast, they barely get out to see the 18-wheeler ATV fuck right off. So they have no choice but to take the buggies, which have no protection whatsoever. fucking ever. That's a stupid design, that one is. Getting to the ship, just as the storm hits, Shaw drops the engineer's head, so Stupid goes out after it. She is then lifted off her feet and slammed against one of the legs of the ship. Holloway goes out after her in a buggy as the ship's doors close. He gets to her in a buggy, but the buggy is blown away because he's a fucking moron too. David goes out to make a daring rescue, attached to a winch, and he pulls him on board, so you try to tell me the wind is so strong it can lift a buggy off the ground but this little winch he goes in a straight line and picks these two people up just like that oh unfortunately Tweedledum and Tweedledumber didn't make it out i.e. Melbourne and Fifield so they're stuck in a building for eight hours so instead of oh I don't know setting up camp there and there these idiots go explore fucking deeper because of course they will meanwhile back on the ship Sean Ford find out uh, the head is actually wearing a helmet. Therefore, that huge-ass space jockey and alien is just a huge engineer in a hazmat suit. 
Okay then. They sterilize it, remove the helmet, and shock the head to life. That causes it to spasm and melt. It then explodes into goo in the sterilization unit. And note, Ridley Scott wanted to use as much practical effects as possible, therefore keeping the CGI to a minimum, the only fucking plus this movie has. David says, mortal after all, and just walks off. He then goes on to talk to someone in a cryo chamber, leaving the room at Vickers and attacks him, pinning against the wall. So is she a robot or not? I mean, she demands he tells her what instructions he got from the person, as David says, try harder, and just walks off. With that, David goes to the fridge, where he stored the cylinder he took from the temple, opens it, and takes out a bag containing black goo. Meanwhile, Shaw and Ford run DNA samples, finding out the engineers are indeed human. But, wait a minute here, that can't be. Because the black goo changed his DNA there to make us, therefore he can't be fucking human. Oh, what the fuck am I now? David takes a drop of goo, which doesn't try to turn him for some reason, hunts down Holloway and spikes his drink with it. Not before David asks him why did humans make him, with Holloway just turning saying to him because they could. I love the fact in this scene there's a small Christmas tree in the background hinting at something will be born soon, something mystical and indeed magical. A new life force, maybe? A new dominant species, even. Back with Dumb and Dumber, they've explored the place and found a pile of long dead engineers. So instead of going back the way they came, uh, they just stop there and argue about what the fuck they're seeing. Until Janik sends them on a wild goose chase to hunt down one of the drones that have been lost in the tunnels. They don't go and hunt down all this drone, except they head back to the way they came. As back on the ship, Shaw's reviewing the recordings. As in walks a drunk hallway to have sex, but she shows him the DNA results and tells him she has proof that we are them and they are we, cuckoo cuckoo. Holloway uh, tells Shaw there's nothing special about life, it is easy to create. With that, she tells him she can't have kids. Awkward. By the way, these two have been on a relationship for at least several years and he doesn't know she can't have kids. Great boyfriend material he is. <clears throat> the two bang because, you know, long-term girlfriend who suddenly tells you she can't have kids, so why not bang? Typical bloody man, thinking his magical penis can fix women. Well, wouldn't you know it? She falls pregnant, get it, as of a magic dick then. <sighs> What's that? It's an alien crossbreed. Best not bloody breastfeed it then. Meanwhile, Vickers finds Janik on the bridge and he unsubtly hits on her. She shoots him down, so he outright asks her if she's a robot, to which she answers, my room, 10 minutes. So do they bang or not? I mean, mm, is she human? Is she a droid? Whatever. Moving on to Dumb and Dumber, now back at the huge skull room, where they find a river of black goo and something swimming in it. And oh yeah, Fifield is smoking, quote, tobacco in his helmet. What sort of <clears throat> doctor smokes weed in a fucking space helmet? Oh yeah, an idiot one. Guess that's why he's an idiot. Ah, uh, cause he's fucking stoned of his nut. I wonder what Melbourne's excuse is. Anyway, the thing swing in the goo is a snake-like hammerhead, which is actually based off something from Earth. Look at the ones in Earth are teeny. This one's the size of a snake. Which Melbourne thinks is beautiful and approaches it only for it to strike and attack him 
as it attached itself to his arm. Oh shit, breaks! Fifield cuts it off, but it has acid for blood and it melts his helmet. So he falls onto the black goo. As the hammerhead grows a new head, it attacks Milburn, going down his throat. I'm guessing these things came from the worms then. The next morning, Holloway isn't feeling so hot, so checks himself out in the mirror, where he notices he has something in his eye. It's a black worm, just like the ones in the temple. Janik wakes Shaw to tell her he can't get Dumb and Dumber on the radio. So out they go, not before Janik tells David, a drone found a life form deep inside the temple. Out they go to hunt for Dumb and Dumber, as David checks out for the drone. With David alone, Vickers is watching on as he finds a lost drone. He opens a door, allowing it to continue to map out the structures. He finds a room stocked full of metal cylinders filled with black goo. He then finds a cockpit of the horseshoe-shaped ship, ship even from Alien. Aliens. He then cuts the feed from his cameras and just walks in. Oh, by the way, this is 2091, did I say 91, 93, whatever, 94, the fuck it is. Um, they still have webcams attached to their bloody heads, I mean, really? Okay then. As back with the search party, they enter the headroom, finding black goo everywhere and Melbourne's dead body. Holloway falls down sick and asks Shaw to check him out. He has infection lines over his body and two heavily bloodshot eyes. They carry him back to the ship, but much like Ripley did in Alien, Vickers doesn't let them on board. Back with David, a few buttons pressed later, and he sees another hologram of an engineer. Then our solar system, and also how to fly the ship. Which uses a foot for some reason. Hmm. How does he know what buttons to press? I mean, who cares? This turkey is three quarters of the way over, and we're getting to the <coughs> action part. David checks out one of the cryopods, and wouldn't you know it? It has one sole surviving engineering it. Still alive after 2,000 years. That's some fucking cryopod, that is. Back with a third party on board the eight. Wheeler, they head back to the ship where Vickers is waiting for him with a flamethrower. Okay, calm down, Ripley. Holloway begs Vickers to fry him, which she does. In Medbay, Shaw wakes up because she fainted in, with David creepily taking off her cross. He then coldly tells her she's three months, three months pregnant after a quick body scan. He then calmly tells her it's not a traditional fetus. She demands to see what it looks like. Then David she demands David to remove it. He does nothing but sedate her uh, as the baby grows at a rapid rate. Real fucking charmer this guy is. He then coldly asks her how it feels to have your god abandon you not once but twice. First with your father, who died of a boar, and now of Holloway. He then tells her he spied, he spied on her dreams. With that, she falls asleep. Creepy much. Dr. Ford comes in to wake her in a full hazmat suit uh, to stick her in the freezer, but Shaw is faking it and knocks him out with a lead pipe. Why the fuck's a lead pipe in bloody Medby? I mean, <sighs> dear oh dear. Running to Vickers' escape pod, she uses her uh, Medipod to terminate the baby, and this must have been down well in a bloody Bible belt. She's aborting a fetus using a caesarean, but she finds out the um, Medipod is for male news only. Strange that. So, she tells it to do abdominal surgery to remove this thing. With that, she injects herself with pain medication. 
and steps into the pod as it runs the program. It's slowly and painfully removes the octopus-like chest buzzer. Why the fuck's it an octopus? <laughs> she injects herself yet again with more painkillers. The octopus tries to attack her as Machine is stapling her stomach wound. She barely escapes, locking in the medipod. Outside the ship, Fairfield's helmet starts to broadcast again, so Janik sends out Chance to see what's what. He's quickly attacked by a zombie Fifield and killed. More men are killed until someone puts it down. Why the fuck's he a zombie? As Shaw is now wandering around the ship in a haze, you fucking think she must have injected herself about five times of bloody pain meds for fuck's sake, she must have stolen her fucking nut. Janik fries the zombie and someone fills it with bullets. Back with Shaw. She injects herself yet again with more pain medication, then stumbles onto the ship's dirty little sh- secret. Wayland is still alive! <gasps> Shocking! David seems shocked and then annoyed to see her alive and having a huge scar across her abdomen. Shaw asks what Wayland is doing here. Shouldn't he be dead? With him saying he wants to meet his maker. David tells Shaw one engineer is still alive. Wayland then tells her he wants to see this engineer and ask him to give him yet more life to save him from his impending death. Because 103 years is apparently no longer for this greedy old fucking bastard. Shaw then warns this is a place of evil and death and they should leave immediately, but Wayland doesn't want to listen, saying he is going no matter what. Shaw goes back to her room to clean up. Once finished, she went for a plan to stop this thing once and for all. Janik enters telling her the moon isn't the engineer's home planet. This is a chemical warfare site and they wouldn't be stupid enough to have this shit on their own planet. Because they're not bloody humans apparently. <laughs> she then pops a pill and again and again and again. She must be fucking high as a bastard and kite. He tells her he'll stop this thing no matter what. This thing is not going back to Earth. Cut to Wayland in a robotic suit to help him walk. As Vickers walks in, Wayland snipes at her until she tells him he is going to die if he goes outside. She then adds, A king reigns, he dies, and then he'll, he is replaced. Then she calls him father. So is she a droid or not? Out they go with Shaw and Toe after David mocks her because apparently she wasn't supposed to survive, but she's a fucking fighter. He then tells her, he wants his parents dead. Down to the ship they go, where David awakes the sleeping engineer, played by Ian White, of the Alien vs Predator movies, Clash of the Titans and Game of Thrones. David talks to the engineer and quickly kills Wayland with David's ripped off head. As on Prometheus, Janik realises it's a horseshoe bomber ship. Um, in the attack of Wayland, Dr Ford and a Marine is killed off giving Shaw time to run back to the Prometheus. David tells Wayland there is no heaven, only darkness, and then wishes him a good journey as he dies slowly. Charming. The engineer puts the ship into attack mode, causing the same seat from Alien to rise up from the floor. You know, the space jockey one? Yeah, that one. He then sets it to head to Earth. It takes off, so Janik rams it with the ship as Vickers heads to her escape pod, ejecting last second, causing anything to crash on the moon. Some fucking escape pod that is. And oh yeah, all this time, the high-as-fuck Shaw has been parkouring her way out onto the surface. Anyway, Chance and Ravo... Wait, I thought Chance has died a lot earlier. 
guess not. Stay on the ship as it takes down the horseshoe bomber. Of the horseshoe ship taken out, it crashes back on the moon. Where Vickers fails to get into her pod, she is escaped in a smaller pod. What the fuck? Anyway, she's crushed by the falling horseshoe ship. Horseshoe ship ship, brother. Because, you know, she can't run fucking another direction but straight. Fucking moron. So now, with no ship and a super pissed off engineer who wants Shaw dead, David calls to warn Shaw he's out for her head. So she arms herself with an axe found in Vickers' escape pod. She heads back to Medibay to see the octopus is now huge and indeed free in the room. Shaw unleashes the giant facehugger on engineer as she barely escapes his grasp. It then takes down the engineer. Shaw uh, picks down supplies and heads back down to the horseshoe shaped ship to get David's head and indeed body after he tells her there's another ship and he can indeed fly it. She returns to get David but she gets her cross back first, picks up David's head and body and then tells David to take them to the engineer's home planet to kill them all. I got to see here, she is fucking incredible. With the huge stomach wound, enough drugs to kill a small donkey in her system, she has the strength to carry David's body and head to another fucking ship, all the way fucking parkouring like shit. Anyway, the ship blasts off as credits roll, onto an engineer giving birth to the first xenomorph. Oh no no, sorry, that's a deacon. So, that was Prometheus, an absolute chore to get through. Filled with mind-numbingly stupidity, the effects, however, are practical and it acting is on par. I have no choice to give this a over-generous 4 out of 10. So, stay right there for Alien Covenant. And here we have Stupidity in Space 101, the movie that made me wash my hands of the Alien franchise. If you thought Alien Marines was bad and damaged a franchise, nope, this fucking thing killed it. With its budget of 97 million, this thing pulled in 240 million. With the fan base demanding answers from the meh that was Prometheus, this had a lot riding on it. Unfortunately, this had none to give, just yet more fucking questions, because Guess what? This is part one of three, with yet another fucking reboot pressing. Fuck you, Hollywood. Tell a fucking story from beginning, middle to the fucking end, you piece of fucking hacks. Moving on. Let's just jump onto this arty-farty, bullshit, sci-fi <coughs> horror and find out if Ridley Scott has lost the plot. Indeed he fucking has. Starring Catherine Waterstone, Michael Fassbender, Billy Cudrup, Danny McBride and James Franco. Directed by Ridley Scott, the plot. Ten years after the event of Prometheus, a colony ship carrying 2,000 colonists and its crew are awakened seven years earlier uh, as a solar burst hits their ship and need to make repairs. They pick up a mysterious signal, so go down to investigate, finding an Earth-like planet more perfect than the one they left Earth for. However, on the planet is the mad droid David, who kills them all in order to create his perfect life force. Can the crew stop David? Are they finally going to have a xenomorph? Just how dumb can these top-notch scientists actually get? Find out here. The movie opens up on shots of David's eye, once again played by Michael Fassbender, and I'm guessing this is him just being activated then, as his, quote, father, Sir Peter Wayland, once again played by Guy Pearce, tells him he is his father, also he is the perfect being, and with that, David names himself David after the statue. 
He also tells him they will find who made man. And oh yeah, Wayland looks about 50 here, not the frail old man in Prometheus. Therefore, it must be about 50 odd years previous. Finally, after five minutes, the titles pop up in the same manner as all the rest of the movies. Then, after a minute of the slow-revealed titles, we're introduced to the Colony Ship Covenant, which holds 2,000 people, 1,140 embryos, and has a crew of 15. And oh yeah, it's December 5th, 2104. Therefore, the original alien can no longer happen, as that was set in 2129. Or 2121, is it? No, whatever. Yet, it is stated the Horseshoe Bomber ship in that was there for at least 5,000 years. Therefore... It can't bloody happen, because the xenomorph eggs on that ship are the ones that David created in this. Therefore, Alien is flushed down the shitter, much like these two scripts should have been done. Like I said before, Alien timeline is fucked more than a Terminator 1, Star Trek 1, Star Wars, and indeed the Avengers 1 put the fucking together. Uh, moving the fuck right on. We're introduced to this ship droid, Walter, also played by Fastbender. By the way, Fastbender, I know you're proud of your penis, and you're one of the only handful of male stars that will actually show it off on film, but put some fucking underwear on! I mean, he's free-balling like no one's business in this fucking movie. Or is it set in the same universe as Star Wars? Well, there's no underwear in space. Mother, voiced by Laura Lee King, the ship's AI, so it's went from father to mother then, okay then, tells Walter there's a problem and to report to the bridge as they're almost out of a juice. Still no matter, they just released the solar sails and recharge, but oh no, there's a solar burst, and that damages the sails. Also, it causes chaos on board, so Walter wakes up the crew. However, ship's captain, Captain Branson, played by James Franco, is fried in his sleep trap in his cryo-sleep chamber. So wait, you're telling me in 2105, uh, they have perfected spaceflight, made human-like androids and cryosleep chambers, yet they can't make robust solar sails? What am I saying? This is the Whale and Yutani company. The droids break as soon as you sneeze on them, for fuck's sake, so why the hell wouldn't they have breakable fucking solar sails? Oh dear, oh dear. The rest of the crew are Daniels, played by Catherine Watterson of Steve Jobs' Fantastic Beast movies and Lucky Logan, acting Captain Orem, played by Billy Kudrup of almost famous Big Fish, Mission Impossible 3, Watchmen and Jackie, Pilot Tennessee, played by Danny McBride of a fuck-time stoner movies including Pineapple Express, Your Highness, This Is The End and, worst of all, Sausage Party. Lopi, played by Damien Birch of Dark City, Che, Part 1 and 2, Savages, Machete Kills, Hateful Eight, and The Nun. And Kareem, played by Cameron Ijogo, Ijogo of The Avengers 1998, The Purge Anarchy, Fantastic Beast Movies, and It Comes at Night. Ricks, played by Jesse Smollett, or, well, you know where the hell he's from, moving on. Putworth, played by Callie Horrendez. Faris, played by Amy Schmitz, Hallett, played by uh, Nathaniel Dean, Hanker, played by Alex England, Leeward, played by Benjamin Rigby, Cole, played by Yuli Latafaku, and finally Rosenthal, played by Tess Holbrich. Basically, they're all dead meat walking. They wake up in fight. Uh, hate the new captain, fix the sail, pick up the signal. 
and mourn the captain's dead death and then in fight yet some more because of course this is a fucking great crew this one is they hunt down the mysterious signal Tennessee picked up on his helmet as he went to fix the solar sail and oh yeah I should say this is like Noah's Ark the crew are paired up why it's not like 16 people are going to repopulate the fucking entire planet anyway they're carrying 3140 people for fuck's sake why send couples did well in Yutani take note from Voltic is this a social experiment on how couples can last in deep space. And oh yeah. They just did this because bodies should drop. Because this is now a slasher movie. And not a science fiction horror movie. Anyway. Daniels tells Walter. She and her boyfriend Brannon. A.K.A. Barbecue McFriedface. Thought of themselves as pioneers. And dreamed of a log cabin by the lake. Important for later. Moving on. This strange mixed-up signal Tennessee picked up was Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver uh, from Shaw. Funny, I never had her down as a country western fan. Hmm. Wait, she sends this song out but not an SOS or a warning. Mm, they hunt down the signal and find out the fourth rock from the sun in this magic solar system that they never picked up before is much better than the one that they were heading for two for ten years this is the perfect goldilocks planet handily it's only a few weeks away from where they are hello tgbt yeah i'll take that button again tgtbt much so the geniuses decide to alter course and head to the signal all but daniels who wants nothing to do with this thing as she rightly points out they have no clue what's on this new planet what it's going to be like and indeed they are not trained for this Wait a minute here. These are colonists, yet they're not trained for colony-type work. Okay, then. Also, why is there a human where no human should be before? A perfect planet that wasn't there ten years earlier. It's too good to be true. Listen to the goddamn woman. But nope, Captain Douche-Nozzle wants to check out the Goldilocks planets. So down they go on the huge mile-plus-long ship to check out the Goldilocks planets. They stick the covenant in orbit and take down a dropship. See Prometheus, this is what you should have done in the fucking first place, you moron. <sighs> down go half the crew, including Daniels, Walter, Captain Douche and the dead meat crew members. One bumpy ride later, because the idiots go straight through the eye of a fucking ion storm. It's a soft crash landing later, as they're down on a Goldilocks planet. Out they go, looking like they're going on a light hike, wearing a GoPro camera, not checking out a fucking unknown planet hello spacesuits or hazmat suits at the very fucking least i love the fact that they have gopro cameras stuck to their fucking rucksacks i mean what the fuck it's 2104 what in the actual oh my god sweet mother's movie's terrible hold on a second they all leave but one uh, who has repaired the dropship because apparently it was damaged on the bumpy ride down. And they have a robotic rover with them. So why not take the fucking rover with them, letting it search out the signal, checking to see if it's safe. But no, these super smart scientists step on black flowers, which spit out teeny black spores, which infects Layward, who goes to smoke a joint. What the fuck, movie? Really? A super smart scientist doesn't wear a spacesuit, goes off alone to smoke a joint? Just how easy is it to be an astronaut in the Wayland Yutani Company? Oh yeah, it's ten years since Prometheus. It went from Wayland Cop to Wayland Yutani. Layward is supposed to help Kareen gather soil and water samples, but he fucks off for a joint because he's a dick. 
<sighs> the rest, led by Lopi, head up the mountain where he points at something crash landed. All the trees have their tops snapped off. No shit, fucking Sherlock! That's the ship you're supposed to be tracking down, you fucking idiot. Daniels then pops out there's no wildlife to be seen or indeed heard. As back on the ship, Tennessee radios down. Mother says the iron storm is breathing down her necks. Well, no fucking shit, you did fly through the eye of the fucking storm. Again, how the hell did these people pass an IQ test, for fuck's sake? Instead of, oh, I don't know, going back to the dropship to hunker down, waiting out the storm, they continue up the mountainside because, of course, these are intelligent morons. Uh, here it is where Leeward even is infected as a black spore goes through his ear canal. Back with the others, they finally find that Dr. Shaw's horseshoe ship crashed. They all go on board to check it out, and it's here. Hallett is infected by more spores, this time through the nose. And God, it was been busy in these ten short years. I mean, he kills off all the engineers, kills off all the um, indigenous animals, and plants all these weird spore plants everywhere. God, he's been busy. Minutes later, Layward starts to feel dizzy and is sweating a lot, then feels sick. But he's fine to continue. Because you just used to there loving you to your fucking oil, your, your soil samples, love, you know? Just give a shit about your guys coughing up and fucking... Ugh. The others continue to check out the horseshoe ship, finding the cockpit and the signal source. Here, after pressing one random button, the ship's hologram plays Dr. Shaw's final moments, back with Ledward and Kareen. As he starts coughing up, he has to sit down. Kareen radios Captain Dipshit to tell them she's heading back to the dropship as Ledward is sick. She then radios Faris, who is left back at the dropship fixing the thing, to prep the medibay. Captain Dipshit uh, gets them all to pull out just as Daniels finds Shaw's stuff. Outside the ship, Hallett is next to drop. Farris radios up to Covenant to tell Tennessee what's happened, telling him she'll do the full quarantine procedures. Mere seconds after radioing, Ledward and Kareen arrive back at the dropship, yet it's supposed to be a good half an hour's fucking walk away. I guess the one was up the arson, or indeed it was downhill. Hmm. Ledward collapses again, this time spitting up blood. So on Kareen, so far as noops the fuck out of there, just grabbing the rucksack as Kareen struggles with Ledward's deadweight body. Faris radios Captain Dipshit to ask where the fuck he is, as things are going from bad to worse in seconds. Kareen drags Ledward's body back to sickbay getting him up on the table just as a backburster falls out spraying Faris in the face with terrible CGI blood. She noped the fucks out of there yet again, locking the door. She runs to the radio to get help and did get a gun. Too bad Captain Dipshit is stuck in the cornfields. Oh yeah, didn't I say this planet has corn? Who planted it? Who cares? Enemy Captain Dipshit is stuck in a cornfield pulling the dying Hallett with him. Yet more than fighting between the crew, because of course they're going to start fighting. <sighs> Real solid idea to get married couples into fucking deep space. As a manic, Ferris radios Tennessee for help. And oh yeah, she's his wife. Hmm. Heading back to Medibay, just in time to see the backbuster born. Kareem screams to let her out, but Faris just watches in utter fear, refusing to let the, her out. Faris Damn you. Runs to get a fucking gun. I must have done up too early there. <laughs> Runs to get a gun, leaving Kareen to deal 
with the mini xenomorph that think Alien 3 just smaller as it rips her apart. God, the CGI looks fucking awful. Also, what's with the CGI blood? This is a 15 rated movie, or R rated. Why is it got CGI blood? Faris returns in time to see Kareem ripped to shreds, enters room, slips on the bud, and misses her shot. And I swear to God, in the cinema I burst out laughing at this. This is just fucking ridiculous. She drops her gun, runs for it, shutting the door on her ankle, which breaks. Because she's thicker than shit, I mean... No matter, she heads back to the weapon locker to get yet another gun, just as the mini morph breaks out. She can't shoot for shit and blows a dropship sky high, just as Captain Dipshit comes into view. Hallett then dies, picking up another mini morph, which runs off into the wheat. So now stranded on the planet, they're fucked. In space, Tennessee takes the government down lower into the Goldilocks. Um, atmosphere, risking to blot the entire ship, as Daniels frantically tries to radio for help. It's now pitch dark, and the mini-morph comes back for a feeding. Now fully grown. God, that was quick. What was that, less than an hour? It bites off Walter's hand as he defends Daniels. It then kills two of dead meat, who I have no idea, and I don't give a shit, because this movie is cut to shit, and you barely see who gets attacked. A mysterious hooded figure comes out of the wheat, to scare away the mini-morph, sorry, proto-morph, I just looked at what the hell it's called there. One flare later, and off shit just runs off. Daniels then gets Captain Douche to lead his crew, but he's too frazzled to do so, so she takes the bloody lead. The hooded man leads him to a ruined city and safety. This ruined city has hundreds of thousands of dead, burnt bodies, as the hooded man is David. More nuttier than ever, and seems he's been playing God, creating new life forms from the black goo. Anyway, he spews out some bullshit story about how his ship was carrying an unknown virus that wiped out all life on the planet by mistake. Also, Dr. Shaw died on his ship on impact, and he's been alone for 10 years. Captain Douche tells David he's a captain of a ship with over 2,000 people on board. This makes David's eyes all but light up. Fresh meat, see. Lope asks to go onto roof to set up a radio to contact the ship, so David guides him up. Daniels doesn't believe his story, telling Walter it all doesn't add up. As on the roof, David tells Lope the storm could last for days, weeks, or indeed even months. Tennessee then moves the ship down lower, just above the storm. It doesn't work, so he goes even lower, the fucking idiot. As back on the planet, the insane David comes up with a plan so he cuts his hair to look like Walter, and yeah, you know where this is going, he's going to switch places with Walter. Meanwhile, Walter explores David's living quarters, finding all sorts of dead bugs, and weird sketches everywhere, picking up a flute. David walks in, and Walter tells him he can't play, and here David literally plays with himself blowing his own flute. After playing with his flute, David tells Walter... He was with Wayland when he died. He thought he was lesser and pitied this pitiful old man. A lesser being, that is. Walter tells David he is a new model made to serve, as his model was discontinued due to them creeping the fuck out of humans. Meanwhile, back to Captain Dipshit, he set up camp. One of the dead meat women goes out to clean herself up, and she's attacked and beheaded by a protomorph. Meanwhile, David tells Walter what he did 
When they first arrived, Aihi killed off all engineers on the planet by bombing the shit out of them with their own black goo bombs, which somehow changed the black spores in midair. That's weird. He also shows him Shaw's grave, telling him she repaired him and that he loved her, much like Walter does to Daniels. Walter then tells him Joyce can't feel love as it's an emotion. David points out, what about your hand? Until Walter says it was duty, not love. Much later, Captain Douche uh, looks for dead meat girl and finds her head floating in a pool of water. With David talking to a protomorph, Captain Douche kills it. So David takes him downstairs to his secret little experiments. And why would you follow a clearly insane, uh, insane rather unstable droid down to the basement with his secret experiments? You fucking moron. David shows off the Xenomorph's eggs he made from Shaw's own eggs. Kidding. And these fuckers are huge. Must be about a good five foot. And they're fucking massive. Meanwhile, on the roof, Daniels got through to the ship and tells them to use a cargoff to get them the fuck off planet. Daniels then tells Tennessee Farris is dead. Back to David and Captain Dipshit. As David explains, his experiments stopped due to not having fresh DNA. Or indeed, fresh meat. He gets him to look at the huge xenomorph egg, which latches a fuck-off huge facehugger. And note, somewhere in David's little lab is one of H.R. Giger's original concept eggs, with one slit and not two, because one was thought to be too vulgar, looking like a vagina, so I added another one to make it look like a flower. Hmm, Moving on. Captain Dripshit is now taking out as David watches on coldly. Cole searches for the captain finding the head of dead meat girl and the body of the protomorph. Daniels then hunts down the captain herself because of course she would. As up in space, Tennessee launches a cargo lift with Ricks at the wheel of the main ship as down he goes to rescue. Back with David as he patiently waits for Captain Douche to wake up. He does seconds later. He gives birth to a neomorph. I think one rung under a xenomorph then. Walter finds Shaw's long dead body in David's quarters cut open with her organs exposed with a weird xenomorph parts stuck to her head and face. What the fuck? Step aside, Dr. Lecter. There's a new nutty doctor in town. Walter hears David playing his flute, so investigates and here Walter quizzes David for the truth. Uh, David tells him he killed them all and then tries to kill Walter by sticking him in the guts with his flute. He's dead, right? After all, these are Whale and Jutonic droids, and one hit and they're finished. Nope, Walter can self heal for some reason. I love the fact how David sticks Walter with his flute sexual metaphor much. Me for fuck's sake. Wait, so Walter can self-heal? Could Ash and Bishop or even Cole do that? Hmm. Also, David must be at least 70 years old, so why continue with his model? Also, when was Ash and Bishop rolled out? Is Ash just a reskinned David, hence why he's a fucking nutjob killer, much like David is? Well, I'm on it. David kills Walter because David thinks he is the perfect being and has a god complex. Why not just reprogram Walter and then you have a friend? You've got two. And you can have your bloody masturbation fantasy continually then. <laughs> anyway, Cole, sorry, Cole and Lopey hunt for the captain. Just how big is this fucking building, by the way? I mean, mm. 
Meanwhile, Daniels finds David's drawings of the monsters he has been creating as Cole heads down to the basement, finding Captain Dipshit's dead body and is attacked by a facehugger. He shoots it and it runs off to attach itself to low pay. But Cole cuts it off seconds later. Uh, how? Because it says... Uh, oh, what the fuck ever. This movie's terrible. The Neomorph then attacks from the shadows, killing Cole as Lopi barely gets away. Back with Daniels. David attacks Daniels, throwing her around the room, and then tries to rape her. What the fuck, movie? Fortunately, Walter saves her by throwing David a clean across the room and then down a flight of stairs. Gotta say, this droid and droid fight is pretty good here. Just a pity it goes nowhere, as it cuts before Walter kills David, because you're not supposed to know David killed Walter, taking his place until the end, because it's fucking obvious, that's why. <sighs> Daniels runs to Lope, they both run outside where Tennessee picks him up, but the Neomorph hitches a right too. So, it's down to Daniels to Ripley up and kill it. Too bad she can't shoot for shit, so she has to use the lift's crane to crush it to death after shooting everything but the fucking Neomorph. I guess feminist power isn't worth shit without good game then. The Neomorph is dead. The end, right? Wrong! There's 20 minutes of this movie left. Uh, Lope finally gives birth to a Xenomorph. Fucking finally! Uh, but wait, the facehugger was on him for mere seconds. If it could plant its seed that fast, why the fuck did it take so long in the other movies? Anyway, Daniels arms up with Tennessee to hunt down the Xenomorph with <coughs> Walter's help on the comms. However, Ricks and Dead Meat Girl 2 uh, don't hear a red alert due to them being in a shower and having sex. The Xenomorph sticks its second head in Rick's mouth, killing him. I guess Justice Smart should be used to having something large and black shoved down his throat then. Mm -hmm. By the way, before you complain, I am gay, <laughs> therefore I can make that joke, so fuck off! Uh, Dead Meat Girl 2 is then killed off screen because of course she is. Uh, the hunt is on for a xenomorph with Tennessee following the blood footprints, the bloody footprints, as <coughs> Walter traps it on a deck. Daniels tells it to open the airlock and they'll blast it into space. They try trapping it in the cabin of one of the trucks, but it is breaking free with relative ease. Because she's a fucking idiot. So Daniels pulls a Ripley and fights against the suction of space, tricks the xenomorph into getting hit by a huge truck as it dies in space, screaming as it fucking burns up in the atmosphere. At the end, no, quote, Walter tucks in what's left of the crew. Daniels asks about the log cabin, as he is clueless, because he is David. <gasps> dun dun dee. He takes over the ship, planting a facehugger embryos next to the human ones, as credits a roll. So, that was Alien Covenant, a total waste of time and possibly the death nail of this franchise. This is stupidity from start to fucking end. And I am done with this franchise. I'm going to give this thing a woefully, woefully pathetic, overly generous 1 out of 10. So, I'll come back next week as I look at the Star Wars prequels. June is Batman, July is Piranha, August is Hitchcock movies, September is Stephen King movies, October is House on Haunted Hill movies, November is Night of movies, and December is End of the World movies, because why the fuck not? Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, where you can vote on which movies I'll cover, or email me your movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other 
franchise podcast of House, The Fly, Resident Evil and more. Also my solo podcast of Aliens, Little Shop of Horrors, Evil Dead 3, Avarius of the Dark and more. A bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. And one more thing, do androids dream of electric goats? You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work and your courage. We're making history here. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. Where is it?